from the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. More than 20,000 young people gathered in St. Louis the first week of January for the Seek 24 conference. Within that crowd was 450 seminarians and at least 500 priests who heard more than 3,000 confessions in a two-hour time span. What a wonderful way to start the new year. CNA's Jonah McEwen was on the ground. He joins us with highlights. And then we gear up for the March for Life with Prudence Robertson, host of EWTN, host of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by my co-host Matthew Bunsen, who is EWTN News' Vice President and Editorial Director. Hi, Matthew. Happy New Year. We are pleased to be able to welcome on Jonah McEwen, who is a staff writer for Catholic News Agency. Uh, He has been working for EWTN, uh, for Catholic News Agency, for six years now, and he's based in St. Louis. Jonah, it's a pleasure to have you on Register Radio for the first time. Hi, Jeanette. It's great to be on. It's it's a pleasure to be invited. And you've been a producer before, and you you happen to love um, producing podcasts and radio, and so it's really, I'm pleased to, to be able to talk with you today. Um, but you also have uh, have covered uh, our SEEK conference. This is the SEEK 24. You've covered this for CNA before. Uh, this is the uh, second year it's been in St. Louis, and it was a smashing success, it seems. Right, it, it really was. And, and yeah, like you said, this was the second straight year that it's been here in my hometown of St. Louis. And uh, before that, or, or prior to, to last year's conference in 2023, it had actually been, I, I, I believe, three years since they'd had a, a big in-person uh, conference, and, and when I say they, uh, it, the group that puts it on is the uh, Fellowship of Catholic University Students, which you know many of your readers um, may be uh, may be familiar with, because they actually celebrated their 25th year this year. Uh, Focus did. That's right. And yeah, and and so what Focus does is it just as kind of a, a primer for people who don't know. Um, they send missionaries to to college campuses primarily, and these missionaries, you know, in, invite students in for Bible studies and you know to mass and to the sacraments, just kind of with the goal of of deepening their faith and and then those students kind of becoming leaders in the faith uh, for for others. And so Focus has had a lot of success with this, and they're actually expanding to to parishes nationwide as well. So um, yeah, it, it, it was really great to see so many students come out for this, for this conference, which is now being held kind of more on an annual basis after Absolutely. a couple of years of COVID disruption. So let's talk about some of these numbers. It's, it's really a massive attendance. I, I said uh, in the intro, 20,000 people. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, uh, the numbers to this conference and the type of people who attend. Yeah, that, that's right. And actually, it's it's really fascinating to hear from the organizers of the SEEK conference because, I mean, 25 years ago, it really did start with just 
you know, a couple dozen students in a room in, I, I, I don't know exactly where it was held, but, you know, like a hotel ballroom or something like that. Right. And, and now it's grown into this huge event that can basically shut down the downtown of a, of a major city. And so it, the, the conference was primarily geared towards college students or at least college age students because you know many many of the attendees came from campuses that are quote unquote focus campuses so um, colleges nationwide that have focused missionaries on their campuses and um, but but it, it really kind of ran the gambit of, of um, students from from many different universities, and not just from the United States, from abroad as well, and and also there were you know um, men and women from from the military, young men and women, and and also um, uh, also many many clergy, lots of bishops and priests. So it it, it really did kind of kind of run uh, the whole gambit of of of. Catholics, um, you know, from nationwide. Now, as you note, uh, this comes from a wide cross-section of uh, Catholicism. But as you were talking with attendees, the name of this is Seek. What are they looking for? What is drawing them to this? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, Matthew. And I think it's best summed up by what some of the speakers told me in a press conference, which is that they really noticed many of the attendees being just a, a little bit tired of what our culture is is offering them. You know, obviously, many young people are kind of burned out by social media and by, you know, the expectation that they're they're not not faithful. I mean, I mean, you know, this is something we hear so much about our young people today, and I say this as a young person, um, you know, many, many people are kind of turned, maybe turned away by, by quote unquote, organized religion and that kind of thing. But I think this conference really served to show that a lot of people, a lot of young people are really still seeking that and, and want a community, a Catholic community specifically. And I certainly heard from many people that this was a very invigorating experience to realize, hey, I'm not the only young person who wants to take my faith in Jesus seriously. And I, I, I know many of the people in attendance really felt a, a, an invigoration of their faith and, and hopefully will take that home to the various campuses or the various parishes where they came from. Yeah, that's exactly what it's hoped for, right? That they're bringing, uh, bringing home with them a re revitalized faith, but but also the opportunity to invite others in and and and, and networking uh, through Focus, which has these college uh, campus um, ministries and and giving people an outlet. You wrote that uh, Seek 24 is setting the stage for the upcoming National Eucharistic Congress uh, to be held this summer in Indianapolis. How, how do you think this sets the stage? Right. So for any listeners who, who aren't aware, this July, there's going to be a, a, a huge um, a huge gathering as part of the Eucharistic revival that's been going on for the past several years. And as you mentioned, it's going to be in Indianapolis at the Lucas Oil Stadium. And there's actually expected to be 
about 80,000 people there for that for that event, um, you know, compared to Seek, which which was huge and, and right. was awesome, but it was it was only <laughs> twenty four thousand people. So right. so yeah, this this event this summer is going to be really big, and Focus has been sharing information with the Eucharistic Revival team on how to put on a, a giant Catholic conference because I mean it, it makes sense. They've been doing it for for many years, and they know kind of how to. How, how to um, reverently and effectively put on, say, a, a giant mass or a giant session of Eucharistic adoration? Because, because of course, as we know as Catholics, it, there are protocols to be followed to make sure everything is done done reverently. And so, so, um, so yeah. Focus uh, officials told me that they have been, you know, sharing information and and making sure that the the Eucharistic revival team understands what what goes into putting on such a large Catholic event. And it really sounds like the the gathering this summer for the Eucharistic revival is 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 going to be is going to be a really really great event for, for Catholics from all over. Yes, and that's going to be held July 17th through the 21st uh, in Indianapolis, as we indicated. And information on this wonderful event can be found if you uh, if you go to the National Catholic uh, Eucharistic Congress website, or you just go to Catholic News Agency and search National Catholic excuse me, National Eucharistic Congress. Um, Lots of great information, and everyone should be looking that up so that they can try to attend. I want to switch gears a little bit, uh, Jonah, uh, just here in the last few minutes of the show, and we're going to kind of tease the next segment uh, where we'll be talking about the March for Life. But you uh, have a, a great um, a great skill on our team. A great you do a great contribution in helping with graphics and interactive graphics, especially. And you have created a map uh, that is being used by our team, but also by uh, EWTN uh, Pro Life Weekly uh, to show where abortion is on the ballot in 2024. Uh, so this is a really important, um, uh, I guess, uh, 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 content item, a, a really important map that you offer our audience. Can you tell us a little bit what of what we can find at this abortion on the ballot map? Right. So what I've created with the help of my colleagues at CNA and at EWTN Pro-Life Weekly is, as you mentioned, an interactive map that basically shows where the issue of abortion will will be on the ballot and where it already has been on on the ballot in various states nationwide and um, as many of your listeners i'm sure will have will have learned by now um, since the overturning of roe v wade several states have already put the question of abortion before the people as as um as, as roe v as the overturn of Roe v. Wade allowed for. And unfortunately, most of those states, if not all, uh, have have gone in a more pro-abortion direction right. so far. Um, you, you know, even a, a state like like Kansas, where obviously, you know, many people there are pro-life, um, there's, there's been 
there, there's been a, a loss at the ballot box um, in terms of, of pro-life legislation. And so there are 10, at least 10 states at this point where um, where abortion could could or or almost certainly will be on the ballot in November. And so um, I, I would encourage your listeners to check out this map. And if you live in one of these states where abortion is going to be on the ballot, I mean, certainly educate yourself, but also if you can, uh, you know, tell tell people about it and and uh, you know try to get a, a pro life vote out um, in in your state because it could be. Um, I, I mean, it, it could be extremely important come November. Absolutely. And that can be found at catholicnewsagency.com. And the title of that story is, Here's Every State Where Abortion is on the Ballot in 2024. Jonah McEwen, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. When we come back, we'll get a preview of the March for Life from Prudence Robertson, host of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more. For nearly a century, the National Catholic Register has been moving minds, moving hearts, moving souls, and enriching our readers' lives by spreading the truth of the gospel. Today, that tradition continues with award-winning journalism that goes beyond any secular news service while bringing much-needed light and clarity to the issues and events that affect you and your family's future, all with faithful and courageous reporting guided by the teachings of the Catholic Church. It's more important than ever to join Catholics who depend on the register. Get six free issues today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. I'm joined by my co-host here on Register Radio, Matthew Bunsen. And we're going to be talking about the March for Life that takes place uh, January 19th in Washington, D.C. with... Uh, we're going to be talking to Prudence Robertson, who is host of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. She's in the studio with Matthew Bunsen. They are sitting right next to one another, whereas I'm in my home studio. So I'm going to let them talk about the March for Life. But first, uh, Prudence, I'd love to get your impression of the SEEK 2024 conference. You just You just came back from there. Yeah, that's right. It was a great way to kick off the year. Being at SEEK really filled my cup and energized me to continue reporting on life and the family because there were 20,000 young people gathered in St. Louis, young Catholics, college-aged, high school-aged, hundreds, thousands probably, of seminarians and priests were accompanying these young people. Um, And it was really just so inspiring. I've literally never been to a conference that, you know, you heard, you know, tens of thousands of people are going to be at this event. And those numbers don't always, you know, stack up. But the numbers were exceeded for Seek. I mean, literally 20,000 kids um, filled this football stadium to not only hear inspiring talks from 
leaders uh, across the church on various topics, um, but they were also there to worship the Lord. Um, There was a beautiful Eucharistic procession, adoration, mass every day. Um, It was just a great coming home moment for the church, especially at, you know, the start of the new year. So it it was great to be there. Right. It speaks of hope. That's what I love about it. Exactly. Hope and joy. Well, and coming on the heels of uh, World Youth Day, where they had 1.5 million young people, uh, this idea that the young people are not attracted to the faith uh, seems something to be either seriously overstated or... Just it's outright wrong. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It was inspiring to actually sit and chat with some of these young people about how they're kind of bucking what you're hearing on that. Um, The church is fully alive when it comes to these young people and not only invigorated about their faith, but invigorated about changing the culture for the better and really being the light. That was the theme for Seek this year, right? Be the light. And yeah. Yeah, there's that phrase that we often hear that uh, the young people are, quote, the future of the church. Uh, I think, as you're demonstrating, and we saw in St. Louis and also in Lisbon, uh, no, you're actually the president of the church. They are the church. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. So here we are uh, coming up on the March for Life, and then we also have the Walk for Life the next day. That's right. Important events uh, for the pro life movement. How has uh, all of this changed since June of 2022 and the overturn, the overthrow of Roe v. Wade? Mm -hmm. Well, it's changed in the sense that we're now in this new era, right? The post-Roe era, the Dobbs era, where states have more power than ever to enact legislation to defend unborn lives, save babies and their mothers. Um, An important hurdle that the march had to get over when Roe was overturned is a lot of people kind of turned to them and said, well, do we still march? You know, the March for Life was initiated when Roe versus Wade was first decided in protest of that decision. And I think a lot of people were kind of wondering, you know, are we still going to have a march? Well, of course, all three of us know the answer is yes, we're going to continue marching until abortion is unthinkable. But the March for Life did a great job of coming out strong last year, the first march after Roe versus Wade, um, you know, establishing the relevance and the necessity of our movement and continuing to end abortions in our country. Um, and this year, you know, the march is you know, just as important as it was last year. We're continuing our fight to protect the unborn, especially, and, you know, we've talked about this on on Register Radio before with all these ballot proposals popping up across the country. Uh, we have suffered some political losses, some difficult blows. Right. And so we need to continue to be fighting that culture battle, to be influencing uh, the cultural conversation around abortion if we're going to start kind of turning the tide in the political realm. What can we expect from this year's march here in D.C., but also the the Walk for Life? Well, you can expect to see, as we do every year, hundreds of thousands of pro-lifers from across the country gathering in our nation's capital. Um, 
witnessing to the greatest human rights, you know, issue of our day, ending abortion. Uh, They have some exciting speakers lined up at the rally, which begins at noon on Friday, the 19th. Uh, Ben Watson, uh, former NFL player, strong pro-life leader, uh, leads a lineup of great speakers that we're excited to hear from. And we're also excited to be expanding our coverage of the march uh, at EWTN News, not only will I um, be reporting alongside Tracy Sable and Catherine Hadro as we've done before, but Monse Alvarado, our president of news, will be joining in on the anchor team. We'll also be, um, our reporters will be scoured across the march route, um, Eric Rosales, Owen Jensen, uh, Mark Irons, to kind of give perspectives from all sides of who's marching, why they're marching, and kind of the energy out there. So we're excited for that. It's very exciting. And of course, the very next day in uh, San Francisco will be the Walk for Life West Coast. Uh, Again, EWTN is going to be um, uh, covering that event. And uh, we haven't mentioned yet One Life LA. Uh, That's the annual march that happens or walk that happens in Los Angeles as well. So I didn't want to forget uh, that opportunity as well. And of course, all of EW10 News is so happy to cover these events because it does, we talked about hope coming from the seek, right? But there's hope here as well. And, and so that's an important thing for us to, to remember that these are opportunities for collaboration, for, but also for hope for the country, right? Yes. Um, because there's a lot at stake this year. Um, we we need to talk about that. What what is at stake, and and how might this these opportunities to march and to be together help us in the causes that are out there this year? Yeah. Well, what's at stake is unborn lives, right? The the lives of these children are at stake, and so to your point, Jeanette, it's it's important that we're reporting on it, and we're anxiously excited to report. Um, on these important events that really unify the movement. Um, We've been talking about all of these different fronts, um, the resource side of the movement, how we need to continue to build up resource, pregnancy resource centers to come alongside women when they do choose life. We need to be fighting the battle legislatively and politically. and I think what I'm looking forward to about the march this year, and I was talking to Catherine Hadro about this as we were preparing for our coverage, is we're excited to hear what the speakers have to say at all of these events um, about what's next for the movement. You know, um, the movement needs its marching orders now more than ever. There's a lot of different strategies floating around about what comes next, um, but you know, these lives deserve protection, and we need to figure out the best way to go about uh, saving those lives. And so, you know, the movement needs marching orders, and we're ready to hear them. Well, you referenced uh, a few minutes ago ballots, ballot initiatives. That's right. Talk more about that, because I know this is going to be a, a major issue for 2024. I'm glad you asked this, Matthew, because on Catholic News Agency's website, uh, Pro-Life Weekly, we work together with the fantastic writers at CNA to introduce an important resource, a map that is tracking what's happening in all of these states, where we know that abortion is going to be on the ballot, where it could eventually reach the ballot, um, and so on. 
Right now, there's about a dozen states that are considering measures that would add potentially add pro-abortion language to their state constitutions. And the effect of this really would be to undo the win of overturning Roe versus Wade, right, on the state level. It would essentially reinstall Roe-like language and laws in state codified, um, you know, laws. <laughs> um, and that's problematic, obviously, because um, it's kind of a way that the pro-abortion movement is fast-tracking, uh, undoing the work that we have done as a movement for, you know, decades uh, to defend life. So some of those states, I'll just name a few, Florida, Missouri, um, Iowa, Nevada, Arizona, Arkansas even. I think the important thing to point out with these proposals is that they're popping up in not only the the most pro-abortion states, but also the most pro-life states. I mean, Arkansas and Missouri, they've had strong pro-life laws on the books for as long as I can remember. And as as Ohio proves, we can't make assumptions. That's right. Right. Ohio is a very conservative stronghold. And even, again, we talked about this before, but you had uh, Trump voters, conservative voters voting in favor of issue one, which essentially enshrined abortion rights in that state. Um, We cannot uh, ignore the fact that the abortion movement has a lot of powerful messengers and a lot of money. So... Um, that is going to be an issue in 2024 that we need to pay attention to. Absolutely. I'm going to mention the name of that article again. We just talked to Jonah McEwen uh, in the first segment who who helped to build this map. And that uh, article is titled, Here's Every State Where Abortion is on the Ballot in 2024. Very important uh, interactive map that we'll keep up to date. Uh, Prudence, you, you know, it, it can be very discouraging when we see uh, the map like that. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think what we need to do as we come together next week uh, in these, these marches for life across the country is really see how big our movement is and get out there and, uh, and work together with these people uh, every month, right? Not just yeah. the month when there's the March for Life. And, and so that's an important thing uh, to do in this coming week uh, is to make those connections and, um, and, st- and stick with them, right? Right, right. And Jeanette, yes, you saying that reminded me of my conversation with Jeannie Mancini that I had just a couple of days ago that will air on Pro-Life Weekly next week leading up to the march. Uh, she spoke to how we need to keep hope, you know, keep the faith um, in our fight for life. And she reminded me of the truth that the Holy Spirit provides the church with exactly what it needs for a specific moment in history. And uh, she is a perfect leader uh, for us as we head into this march, um, armed by faith, armed by the knowledge that in the end, um, God has already won the battle. We are simply his soldiers in this fight. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Prudence Robertson, for being with us today. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, Matthew. Remember, for more news, analysis, and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. Together with Matthew Bunsen and today's producer, Ace McKay, I'm Jeanette DeMello, and I pray until next week. God bless you.